I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series. Welcome to 15-Minute Parenting, the podcast where you will learn ways to parent through play. Play is more than blowing bubbles. It is fundamental to your child's development and is the foundation of your relationship with your child. Each episode is 15 minutes long and will cover a different parenting topic. We will start with common scenarios we are all familiar with, from supermarket tantrums to screen time meltdowns. I will share some theory on the topic and end with practical play activities that will help you parent through these issues using my 15-minute parenting model. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Something that comes up all of the time with so many parents and families that I meet is this question about lying and children who lie. And I understand that it can be something that causes great worry and concern for parents, but from a professional point of view, it's really not something, generally speaking, that we worry about. Let me tell you a little story about one particular little liar who crossed my path. Uh, This is a six-year-old girl whose parents came to me because they were really concerned about what her capacity to lie meant and how would they ever be able to trust her because really when somebody persistently tells lies it's very difficult to maintain a relationship based on trust which is so important between parents and children. This little girl told a myriad of lies from small to big and the small stuff wasn't really something her parents were sweating and you know you know what these kinds of lies are anyone who's a parent has heard them who took that last biscuit from the tin it wasn't me and you can see the crumbs and the chocolate stains on their lips and hands and you know it was them and they're barefaced looking at you saying it wasn't so she was engaging in lies like that it would be then escalating into who let the dog out when the dog wasn't supposed to be out it would be things that would include is your homework done? Yes, it is when no, it isn't. And then that would be discovered when the school would reach out to parents. But it really reached a tipping point for them when one of them was expecting a very important delivery to arrive. There was a letter that was to be delivered, hand delivered to the door that was really important work-wise. And time went by and dad came down and asked about, has anyone dropped the letter off? And he said he knew by looking at her that she was lying but he couldn't understand why she said no nobody's knocked the door nobody's come to the door and this turned into quite a big deal because he had to report the letter undelivered it had to be you know located the post office were involved it all became very very complex the reality and it came to light later on when he found the letter stuffed underneath a placemat on the table was this little girl had received the letter, taken it in, and what he understood was she had forgotten what she had done with it. But rather than say, I don't know where the letter is, I did take it, but I've forgotten where I've put it, fear perhaps of getting into trouble for that, she decided to lie. It didn't come, I didn't take it, and this caused such a big deal that at that point they said as parents, this is beyond our control, this has gotten out of hand, we really need to do something about this. One of the things I wanted to explore with them was what was her level of remorse after being found in a lie? How did she experience being discovered? And what they said was it would change, like if it was one of the small lies, the who ate the biscuit, 
who let the dog out, those kinds of lies, she tended to kind of laugh and walk away, that it amused her rather than anything else. This bigger lie, however, was something that they did feel she showed quite a degree of shame about and that she couldn't explain when they said, why would you lie? She looked up at them and said, I don't know. At that point, I stopped them and said, well, there she told you the truth. That much you can be sure of. She really doesn't know why she's doing this. Their question was, what does this say about her character? And my response was, it says that she's a child. Because, and while listen, I understand that some children will do this more and to differing degrees than others, but the reality is lying is a part of life and it is as developmentally important that children learn to lie as they learn to tell the truth. And what I mean by this is lying requires an understanding of what is in another person's mind. They have to work out what they do and don't know. And that's an example of what we call theory of mind or executive function in that the child has to plan ahead and anticipate what the unwanted consequences of their actions might be and then change the story accordingly to elicit a different response. That's really quite complex and developmentally important. Some research shows evidence that children as young as three years old lie, but anecdotally and as parents, we actually may see it even younger than that. Some more research carried out by Tolwar and Lee talk of a developmental model of lying. And I find that really, really interesting because I think it resonates so closely with the example I've given you, but also what you might see with your own children. They talk in their research about how between the ages of two and three years old, children develop a capacity to tell what we call primary lies. These are the types of lies whereby they conceal transgressions, but have an awareness of how the other might be feeling about it. So they're saying it wasn't them because they know that you'll get cross, but it doesn't go much further than that. Their research further showed that by four years old, it is secondary lies that emerge. And what that really means is in the narrative of the lie, it becomes much more plausible and they are taking the other person's considerations and beliefs into account in how they tell the lies. So you get more detail. Do you know what? These are the kinds of lies that momentarily make you pause and go, wait, maybe it wasn't them. Even though the evidence is there, the chocolate is on their face, the crumbs are on their hands, but there's something in how they're considering you and your thoughts that makes it that little bit more plausible. It takes them until they are seven to eight years old to refine the art of lying. And this means they have a way better chance of actually getting away with it. This is what Tolwart and Lee in their research describe as tertiary lies. Here, the narrative of the lie, the whole story of it, is much more consistent with actual facts. They're able to bring in follow-on statements. And what that means is when they tell you the lie and you challenge it, they're already armed and ready with the follow-on statement. They've been able to anticipate what you might say and prepare for it. This is why it is really difficult at this age to know, are they telling the truth? Maybe I have gotten this wrong because what they're doing from their point of view is testing what they can get away with. So in this way, lying doesn't have to be viewed as solely negative. Let me take this a step further for you and ask you right now to stop and think about the lies that you as a parent tell your children. Honestly, you are not a parent if you haven't at least lied twice today already to your children. 
we tell them that the park is closed when what we really mean is I don't feel like doing that today. We tell them that the lady or man in the restaurant is going to come down and get very cross with them if they don't sit down and behave as we want them to. We do all of these kinds of lies in their best interests. These are pro-social lies, lies that have social benefits for our children. And we don't just tell these to children, we tell them to each other. This is coming from a place of protection and it's coming from a place of wanting what's best for them. As always, our children are taking their social cues from us and we do see evidence as detailed earlier in those secondary lies when they're able to take the feelings of other people into account that actually those pro-social lies we've been telling them, they've picked up on some of that and the kindness in that. This is also why around this age of between, you know, kind of five, six, seven years old, they're able to receive a gift from granny or auntie and it might be clothing which isn't terribly interesting to children and they open it but they're able to smile and say thank you I love it rather than I don't like to wear woolly jumpers they itch me I don't want this something in them knows that the kindest thing to do is to tell a lie to protect another person's feelings in this way that's why I say lying cannot be seen as solely negative. There are a lot of benefits in it and we can view and respond to it as a form of creativity. And that's really where I see our solutions as parents and how we should best respond to our children is take it from a creative stance. And I think how you do it first is you meet them in the lie. How about trying something like, instead of don't be telling lies, that you actually say, wow, you are so good at making up stories. Let's write down all of the stories that you can make up and we could draw them into a picture. Do you know what? You tell me so many stories you've made up. I believe we could write a book of them. Do you think we could do that? We could call it your book of made up stories. So you're letting them know I know that you're not telling me the truth, but you're not doing it in a punitive way. You're creatively saying, do you want to talk your way out of this? Do you want to correct your narrative for yourself? And it gives them that chance to do better. You're catching them in the lie, but you are not shaming them. Sometimes I also like to go with it. You know it's a lie, but I'm curious. I wonder how far can they take this? So I say, oh, really? That happened? A bird came in here and took that biscuit? Oh my goodness, I can't believe I didn't hear it. Can you show me what window that bird came in through? And ask them to add in more and more detail and embellish it. What you'll generally find is they'll take the story a certain point and turn to you and go, okay, so look, it wasn't a bird. Nobody came in through the window. I took the biscuit. And then you can move to, I'm so glad you could tell me the truth. That way you're praising them rather than punishing them. But the outcome is the same. You can also listen to them as they tell you the lie. Let it go, let it go, don't interrupt them. And then say, I really enjoyed that story, but I prefer the truth. Do you want to try it over and start again with the truth? Again, it's a gentle yet firm response that encourages children to self-correct their behavior. And I always find that that's the most effective way of bringing about meaningful, sustained change in behavior is that they get to do the correction rather than you doing it. So by giving a do-over, a second chance, do you want to try that again? You allow me to go, oh, I'm not going to get away with this. I need to step back and try it in a different way. A game that is going to help you with this, though, is one that I like to call spot the lie. So in this game, you sit with your child and you tell them two truths and one lie. And they have to learn 
how to detect which one of them is the lie. Then you give them a turn. They must tell you two truths and a lie and you're going to guess which is the lie. You're also letting them know afterwards when they say, oh, how did you know that was the lie? That you say, oh, well, actually something in your face showed it to me. And you're teaching them that there are ways of showing truth and lie in facial and bodily expression as well as the words told. Part of my explaining lying through this developmental lens is because I do like to normalize what is normal healthy behavior in children and move away from psychopathologizing everything they do. Now, that being said, while most lies from most children most of the time can be explained away as developmental and can certainly be approached in the creative ways that I've outlined, sometimes serious lies really do need a serious response from us parents and it's important that we don't sweat the small stuff so that when we do have to deal head-on with something big and serious our children know the difference between oh I've crossed a line or this is the normal stuff there will be times when you have to sit down and absolutely state this is not acceptable I know you are not telling me the truth Here's how I know it. Here's the story. But I don't want to hear anything else. We're just going to deal with it. There are consequences and that you do have consequences in place. This actually is in children's best interest because they learn where the line is. And when they cross it, there will be a fallout and they will have to take personal responsibility and deal with that, but ultimately learn from it so that they can continue to grow and develop and that this doesn't become a part of who they are. You know, to go back to that first worry of those parents who met with me, this isn't a character flaw this is a learning curve for them as they grow and develop and isn't that what it's all about children are learning all of the time and our job as parents is to support them into growing into independent healthy functioning adults I just want you to have a little bit of fun with it as much as possible along the way and I hope this has helped Thanks for listening. If you found this episode useful, subscribe, share with a friend, give us a like, all of which helps people find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to come back next week for a new 15-minute parenting episode or check our archives for previous topics. You can find me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune. And between now and then, have fun.